Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker, and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you sell yourself with more confidence and take control of your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create real presence and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. Meet Emma Miller. Emma is a unicorn. Let's just get that out there now. As the head of HR for Asia Pacific and the director of global talent for board writers, Emma is on a mission to redefine the impact that leaders can have on organizations. With values like kindness and courage and believing that leadership is human focused first and foremost, Emma is leading the way when it comes to a new way of working. Having also won the award for HR Professional of the Year at the Retail Association Awards, we know that Emma is incredible at what she does. Emma also has a front row seat to the conversations at work that you are the most curious about. I sat down with Emma and we peeled back the layers on all things performance at work. How can people inside organizations get noticed for their performance? What are the conversations that happen behind closed doors when decisions are made about who gets the promotions? And how can people demonstrate their performance strategically? I think you'll love this episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. Let's dive in. All righty. Welcome, Emma Miller, to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I am so thrilled to have you with me today. I am really excited to be here. I cannot think of a better person to pop my podcast cherry with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so many things that I could say to that. But look, if if anyone's going to pop your cherry, I am glad it is me. This is, now we were having a little bit of a chat, obviously, before we hit record around just all things kind of performance and some of the experiences that we've both had in in our careers in that space before. And I'm so pumped to have you here because I think you've just got so much knowledge to share so many practical experiences but also like you are the person kind of who's in those rooms in those conversations behind closed doors when it comes to talking about things like you know talent development who are our high potentials who are our high performers and kind of what are we doing to, to grow them and, and engage them and, and stretch them inside the organization. So for anyone listening in who's curious about how can I stand out in the workplace, how can I be seen, heard, noticed for my performance, this is the episode for you. But before we kind of jump into any of that, I, I know a lot about you and I've been fortunate enough to do some awesome work with you over the last kind of 18 months or so, but do you want to just share for the people listening, Emma, a little bit about, you know, who you are, where you're from and kind of what's got you to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I'm a HR leader. I think it's funny that I describe that as my first personality, but it definitely is. It takes up a lot of my time and I HR lead at home as well, for sure. I'd say I'm a kindness enthusiast, all about being kind to others and leading with kindness. I'm a mum 
to kids and plants. Yeah. I'm now an amateur piano player as well. I've recently taken up learning the piano. So that's been a bit of fun. And I'm a margarita sampler. So you will always catch me with a margarita in my hand after hours. That is my drink of choice. Yeah. I'm actually really lucky and I have the best job in the world and I will say that day in and day out because I do. I get to work with some really amazing under the board writers banner, Billabong and Quicksilver are just two of the brands that uh, we sit under our stable. I wear two hats in this organisation and the first hat is that I'm the head of HR uh, for APAC. I lead a team of around 60 HR professionals across eight countries And that's really around operational HR, setting the people strategy in our region around engagement and increasing business performance realistically. So, you know, all the range of HR functions, payroll, recruitment, day-to-day, operational, employee relations. The second hat I wear is as the Director of Global Talent Management. And this role is really about knowing who our talent are in our organisation developing programs and strategies to help increase the performance and potential of our talent and then connecting the talent with leaders and with each other because I'm a huge believer that we have so much to offer each other and we can learn from each other. So one of the ways I do that is through our mentoring program. So, you know, it's really a, a bit of a mixed bag what I do. I get to do lots of the fun stuff like, for example, yesterday we hosted a farewell for someone who'd been in the business for 28 and it really brought people together, celebrated their history with the business and enjoyed each other's company. So that was part of my role, which not a lot of people understand is part of HR. And then working on our Top 100 program, which is our high potentials program we've just recently launched and supporting those participants through their 360 process. So, you know, just two ends of the spectrum of what I was working on yesterday. Yeah. Fantastic. And so how do you, you know, I love that you led with I'm a HR leader. How do you, it's so funny when I speak to people a lot, like a lot of people that I speak to that have landed in HR roles, they never said, it's not like they went to school and were like, I'm going to get into HR. They just kind of fall into it. So was that what it was like for you as well? Yes. In fact, I wanted to be anything but HR. HR. So (laughs) (laughs) I definitely fell into it. I started in administration roles and I lived in Canberra at the time. So I was working in the public service and somehow found my way into payroll of all places. And I kind of thought payroll is like a trade. You know, once you've got that skill set, you can go anywhere and do anything with that. So I'm like, why not? I'll do payroll. And that morphed into HR. I I moved into that HR space in a HR consultant role when I relocated to Queensland and I could not think of a better job for me to do, to be honest. It just, I get to spend time with people and one-on-one but in group bigger settings as well and really have uh, leave a positive impact on people Uh, and that's what I love. There are definitely shitty bits of HR, like I'm not trying to um, glorify this function in any way whatsoever there are some real shitty bits but the golden moments really out do outweigh them so yeah I did not set out to do it I had to go back to school and study you know to get some of that formalized learning under my belt to help support my career but yeah no and if anyone asked me if they were 
wanted to work in HR, particularly my kids, I'd be like, oh, are you sure about that? Just, yeah, it is. I, I'm the same. I've never once met anyone who has gone, that's what I want to do. I want to be you when I'm older. Yeah, <laughs> completely agree with that. Completely agree. I was exactly the same. I don't think I ever set out and said, I want to be in HR. And then all of a sudden I found myself there. <laughs> but you're right, look, there's the good outweighs the bad, but it's certainly not. I hear a lot of people like, I just love people. So I want to be in HR. I'm like, it's great, love people too. But unfortunately you end up having to do a lot of things sometimes that you don't get yes. to do the fun side of dealing with people, which, which is probably a really good segue into this kind of idea. So today's theme is really around like, let's talk performance. Mm. I think, you know, and every organization has a different, different word that they want to use around performance or different programs, whatever it might be. But when we talk about performance, it's like this big elusive term. We never really know what it means. And we often say, you know, how do you be a high performer, be a high potential be, you know, on our top hundred list or whatever it might be. But I'm so curious to hear from you. By the very nature of your role, you will have seen either end of the spectrum and everything in between from incredible unicorn performers through to probably the other end where we're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this is not working well. How do we deal with this? And then the large portion of us that kind of just sit in the middle and we show up and we do a job, we do our job and we work hard, but we're not necessarily considered a high potential or we don't have a, a label or a tag put to us. But I'm curious to hear from you, how, how would you define what great performance at work is? Yeah, it is a tricky one because there is really no black and white answer in terms of what makes good or great performance and it will differ from person to person. So what I value will be very different to what another leader values. But for me, great performance is sustainable. So it's not just that little flurry of activity and then you burn yourself out and you can't do anything else. Like it is actually being really sustainable, really consistent and producing quality so not necessarily quantity but definitely quality work it's not just about what you do it's not about just getting those job tasks done and ticking off those lists it's how you go about it you know there are those people that really do add value to the business or to the team so as they're going about their work the way they do that the way they collaborate with others the way they lift others up that that to me is great performance. When you're leaving a legacy behind for whatever reason, whether it's a, a structural process change, a, a new innovative way of doing business, or you've actually just left a good team environment around you, that's great performance. Awesome. Great definition. And we were touching, you know, briefly before we kind of jumped on the call around the whole what, the the what and the how. And often there is so much focus on the what, like what is the task, what is the KPI, what is the deliverable, but not as much focus put on the how am I achieving the deliverable. And it really is the combination of both of those two things that you need to have in any organisation to really be considered a high potential or or a top performer. But it's interesting that so much focus tends to be on, on the what. 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, there uh, there is a place for the what too, but we do need to focus in on what you are actually achieving, what those outputs are. But to me, that makes you more a pro in place. You know, someone who is absolutely exceptional at their job, they know what they're doing, they're technical, they just get through it, they're a pro in place. Does it make them a high performer or a high potential? No, it doesn't. What takes someone from a prone place to being a high performer is when they are, as I said before, bringing people along with them. Someone who shares that knowledge with others and makes others good at their job because of it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the difference in there. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, you know, I know I've certainly worked with, with people in the past who are incredibly gifted at what they do, yet nobody wants to work with them Mm -hmm. because of the how right so you can be a really gifted asshole but and and so you may you may go a certain distance on that because of your technical skill set but really only so far and really only for so long yeah you don't want to be in a position where in the business the business is keeping you because of your technical skill that is not a great place to be because, again, it's going to pigeonhole you and you won't receive necessarily receive the opportunities that others have. So you do really need to take a step back and look and go, how am I contributing outside of my tasks? What am I doing? What am I doing to others? How are my relationships with others? Because, as you said, there are some complete assholes out there who are really technical, technically sound but at some point in time, a business will un- will realise, you know what, we could probably find someone who's not as technical, but from a behavioural point of view, they're going to offer so much value and we'd rather invest in them and get their technical skills up. And unfortunately, that means that person is then out. Mm, 100%. And it's interesting as well because the other thing that I've started noticing quite a bit more over the years is this shift from and thank God, I think this is a great is a great shift from what I what I would have previously observed when we think about performance as being a big focus on input. So like, how long am I sitting at my desk? How hard am I working? How many hours am I working for? To now being a, a bigger focus, not not even on output, but on outcomes. So not just like like the transition away from how many hours I'm working to well, what am I getting for that time like what am I actually mm. achieving but even further than that like what is the outcome what is what is therefore the impact to the organization and so I'd love to hear kind of how you like what your thoughts are on that from a performance perspective as well yeah it, it definitely is shifting and I agree with you thank god because <laughs> um gone are the days where you were your value was judged on how long you stayed in the office after hours that is definitely gone. You know, we have all seen those times where someone has implemented something or, or done their task and no care about what happens next. You know, they've done their bit. They tick, they're ticked that box. But shifting to being more outcomes focused, mm-hmm. it means you're thinking about the why, not just the what. So you're really actually putting a lot more care and consideration into your performance and into your tasks that you're doing. It's how you get that value add by doing that. 
So, a, you know, a great example is I've been the task with putting in a new uh, procedure about something. Okay, I've sat there and I've done that myself and I've put this procedure and I've implemented it and then I've walked away. But did I check with the stakeholders, the people who that process is going to impact? Did I ask them about that first? Did I get their feedback and their views on, on what they would like to see? So they've done the task that was given to them, but they actually haven't thought about the outcome of it. Mm. And that is that shifting again into being a high performer. And it is just that thinking, the why. Why are we doing this? And what am I trying to achieve by doing this? When I hear our leaders talk about people, it is not about how many hours someone is putting in to their work or how busy they are. It's about what outcomes or what they are doing for the business. That is actually where the focus is. So it, it does require a bit of shift in terms of your thinking, particularly those people who are sitting in roles that are fairly straightforward, standard roles. They probably are day-to-day business-as-usual roles. But there are ways that you can have value add into those roles as well. And don't just think that because I'm in a standard processing role, it is about my output. It is still about your outcomes. So what can you do on a day-to-day basis that really elevates what you're doing? Definitely. Absolutely. I love what you're saying. And, and you know, the, the whole look back piece too, when we talk about outcomes. So, you know, with the example that you use, like you've had to de- design a new process, you've done that, you've rolled, you've implemented it. But then, as you said, like, have we consulted with stakeholders? Have we asked people for their input? Have we collaborated? And then even more to that, once it's done, have we kind of measured, tracked, mm-hmm. reflected, looked back, and then had those communications with the relevant people around, okay, awesome. Well, how's this working now? What what more can we do? And I think every role in an organization has the ability to have those conversations, but often we we don't because we we can often default to those outdated behaviors of just take on more, keep doing more, do more tasks, deliver, 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 that we actually lose sight of what the important things are. And so we feel really busy and we are really busy, but is it being busy with the right things that are driving the outcomes that the business ultimately needs? And I think the high performers, the high achievers, the high potentials have the ability to step back a little bit out of their role, no matter what role it is, and ask that question of like, what is the outcome of this and what is the, how am I having an impact on the wider team or department or organisation? Yeah, for sure. It's about going from being a workhorse, like just getting it done, to actually what setting out from the start, what am I trying to achieve by doing this? And asking yourself that question. Because when you do that before you start a task or a project or whatever it might be, it it actually does significantly change how you go about it and what you plan to do. But if you're if you what you're wanting to achieve is just to get it done, well, you're just going to get it done, aren't you? And you're not going to do that in the right way or have that value add. So it's just pausing. What am I trying to achieve by doing this? Can I do it differently? Can I do it better? What impact, if I make changes to that, will it have on others? 
think outside self. So, yes. you know, we are so, so we're, you know, we're trained to do that. We think about ourselves. It's that hierarchy of needs. It's about self first. So we do that. But to shift to become a great performer or a high potential, you have to think outside of self. So self, your immediate team, your stakeholders, the wider business, you've got to think outside. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And that is, I think that touches on almost like another, another conversation as well around what are, because there's probably, there's probably people listening in that are like, okay, awesome. Like I want to be a high performer. I want to be, you know, considered a a high potential inside an organization. I get it. Like I've got to be, you know, how can I make an impact? How can I be an impact player? But how, how do I do it? And so what do you, you know, do you, I'd love to hear from you. Do you have any kind of just, I guess, practical things that you think people can do inside organizations to get noticed a little bit more for their, for their performance and the value that they add? Yeah. The first key thing to do is to really understand what your company values are. And I say this because you need to understand what the business values and where your values align. And that is where I would encourage people to spend the time and focus. We can't go out there and go, I'm going to improve in all of these areas and I'm going to try and add add value add in all these areas. Again, you're probably wasting some of your time to do that. So it needs to be a very conscious effort. What are the company values? Do you know what they are? And what are their real values? So I know they'll have some on a piece of paper and posters around the wall, but what do they really value? And then what are your values and where do they cross over with the business? And then think longer term. So this is a, a longer term game plan for you. Please don't go in and, and you know, all of a sudden have a flurry of activity for a short period of time because remember we want to focus on the outcomes over output. So it's being really intentional, thinking longer term. And then what you need to do is make time to build relationships. And Claire, I know you've spoken about this in other ones around relationship currency. I'm a big believer in building relationships and having an emotional bank account with people. You need to make time to build relationships because those people are where you're going to start communicating what it is that you're working on. A little bit of self-PR. Not many of us. I'm very good at self-PR. There are some people who are amazing at it, right? And they would love to talk about themselves. And that's not what I'm actually suggesting you do. I want you to have an elevator pitch ready and make it outcomes focused. You know, for example, I'm currently working on improving, you know, capturing how we capture customer inquiries. I'm really excited about this because I do think it will improve our customer satisfaction and streamline some of the work tasks for the team. So they've got more time to do other things. That's what you, next time you talk to someone, that's what you're going to talk about. So rather than going into them going, they'll go, oh, how are you going? I'm really busy. Guess what? We're all busy. (laughs) But you've just missed your opportunity, opportune moment to share and self-promote. Talk about your outcomes. What are you working on? And what is going to be the value add to the business? Because then people will remember that and they'll remember you. So when they do start to talk about opportunities, they'll go, oh, remember Emma and she was in, you know, she told us about that project she was working on. That's really interesting. How did that go? That's where you want to get to. Share what you're working on. 
And then the other thing is you do need to think about your communication. How and when are you sharing your achievements? Are you doing it or are you just that person who's sitting at your desk doing your job, doing a great job, I am sure? But who's going to notice that? No one, because everyone else is very busy at their desk doing their jobs, doing them well as well. You need to be strategic in how you start to share what it is you're working on and what your achievements are. And you need to do that in a way that is right for you. We are all very different personality types. I'm not suggesting someone goes out there at their next team meeting and says, this is what I'm working on. But that's a great way. Hey, guys, I just wanted to share an update. I'm working on this. This is what I think. Um, share it in your one-on-one -on -one meetings with your managers. Don't assume they know what you're working on. They don't. Share with them. Tell them what you're working on. Keep it outcomes focused. Is there opportunity to go along to a meeting that your manager is attending, for example, where you've worked on part of what they're presenting? Ask if you can go along. Because you being in that room and being seen in that room will automatically connect that you have been part of that work that's being delivered. So have a think about some of the ways that you can actually start to communicate more and with a wider group around what you're doing and what you're working on and how it's going. I love everything that you have just <laughs> said, Emma. And I, oh, so many gold nuggets. Yes. I hope that one of the things in particular that you just said that really resonated with me and I often in a lot of the private one-on-one um, -on -one coaching that I do um, with clients in particular, I, I observe that when I ask the question around, well, how are you showcasing your performance and the value that, that you add, that they'll often very quickly go from, oh, I couldn't do that because I don't want to be arrogant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I often say there's this whole gray area in between being, you know, not ever talking about our performance because we feel like I'm going to be braggy or tuning my own horn or my work should just speak for itself or all these other stories that we tell ourselves. There is a huge area between that and being arrogant. And so I love what you're suggesting around like take the opportunities as they present themselves to you or if they don't present themselves, find ways to create them to, to talk about the things that you're working on and not from a place of, hey, look at me, I'm fabulous, everybody, but more around, hey, I noticed this opportunity or I noticed this problem that we're dealing with. Here's some of the research that I've been doing around how we might be able to solve it. Would love some input from, from you guys on what you think, right? But perfect example, as is the one that you gave on ways you can communicate what you're doing and be visible in the way that you do it without feeling like you're being braggy or arrogant or any other one of these labels that we put on things. But I, I have just observed over the years that people can go from zero to 10 really quickly on what they think constitutes being that person who's the self-promoter at work. And so I, that's why I love so much about what you're saying around the more strategic ways that that people can do that and, and strategic ways that people can get noticed. And I actually have just written a ebook, short, really short ebook on like 25 easy ways that you can get noticed at work, right. which I will drop in the show notes. It's a freebie. So if you do want 25 easy ways that you can show up and get noticed at work without feeling like you're the loudest person in the room, download a copy of this. And it touches on 
a couple of the things that you've just said as well. And the other thing I also observe, and I'm sure that you've come across this in your time too, is people's expectation when it comes to their performance that their manager just knows, that their manager knows what they're doing and therefore I shouldn't have to tell them. And I think this is a really risky little game to play for so many reasons because, you, like you said, your manager is also really busy and they don't know every move that you make every day, nor should they. And there are, yes, there will be things that they'll, they'll be across because they need to, but if we're just hanging back, hoping, wishing, waiting, expecting that they know all of the things that we're doing and then we get resentful when they don't, that's our fault, not theirs, because we didn't take the opportunity to, to showcase and share with them what we're working on. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm speaking as a leader, as a manager right now with, I think I've got like over 10 direct reports. So do you think I know what each of them are working on at any point in time? No. And do I want to? No, because I've got my own work that I need to do as well. But I, you know, I am very aware of that. So I make time in my one-on-ones for those people to share, you know, what are your key achievements? We do it at our team meeting. Share with me your key achievements this week. That way everyone gets to share in it and it's part of the norm of what we do. So if you are a leader and you're listening to this, it's, I, I would encourage you to do that. Add it into your meetings. What's your key achievements? What are your priorities for the next month? That way it gives you that sense and you're not just getting the laundry list, list of tasks yes. that people are working on. Asking key achievements, you get that outcome focused. And I actively encourage my team to share with me any feedback they get from others. I want to share in that as well. And that's the thing you need to understand is you are not the only person invested in your performance and your growth. There are so many other people in your organisation who are also equally invested in your performance and your growth. And as soon as you understand that, you'll be more comfortable to share and to speak up and to ask questions and to ask for some of those opportunities. Your manager may not demonstrate actively that they're invested, but if they're smart enough, they will be because if you are uh, feeling really supported in your development and your growth, you are going to be highly engaged employee and you are going to be delivering excellent outcomes and that generally relates back to profit or improvement for a business. So, you know, they are invested. Even if it might not be in you as a person, they are invested in the success of their team because if an individual in their team is performing, that's a good um, reflection of them as a leader as well. So they will want to share and showcase what you're working on because that makes them look good too. So share it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they don't ask, if they don't ask you, don't, don't not share it, still yeah. share it, find a way to say, oh, I would love to share with you a couple of things I'm focusing on at the moment. Would love your insights, your input, right? Don't just, don't just not say anything if they don't ask you the wonderful questions that you are no doubt asking your team member around what's happening in your world and what's on your mind, et cetera. If they don't ask you those questions, it doesn't mean they don't care. They might just be busy, but if they don't ask you those questions, don't not share, still share it anyway. Yeah, exactly. 
have the confidence, just do it. Yeah. And no harm will come from sharing. Absolutely. So this is, this is a great segue, I think, into kind of the, like, I feel like we need a little drum roll into what are, so, you know, now, now if we take like a leader, a leadership Mm -hmm. lens and we think about the senior leaders inside an organization and we think about the conversations that happen behind closed doors in terms of, you know, talent pipelines and how we just deciding and defining who our high achievers, high potentials, high performers are, who they aren't also. And what are we doing about those people? Can you just give us a little like peek behind the curtains around what happens in those rooms and in those conversations? Yes. And I hate to tell everybody, but it's no big like drama in there. And um, (laughs) it's not as exciting or as scary as it probably feels when you're the person who doesn't know what's being spoken about. Most businesses have succession conversations and it's really about planning for the skills that the business needs for the future. The conversations that happen are normally around like mid to long-term needs that a business might have. What do we currently have? What skill set do we have? And where are our gaps? So it's about skills. Skills, not necessarily people. But when the people conversation comes into play, it is about, okay, Claire, she's got these skills. Great, we need that for the future. There's a gap there. Okay, so Claire's got those skills. Do we think she's got the potential to go far in our business? Great. Okay. Guess what? That conversation about Claire was probably two minutes maximum. No one is spending like 20 minutes to 30 minutes discussing one person and their performance. It is short, it is sweet, and it is really around, okay, how has that person performed over the last three years? So it's not a moment in time conversation. And that's why at the start I said great performance is sustainable and consistent because we all had blips in our time and you know we all have moments where we're maybe not as productive as we normally have or we're just a bit off our game but we look back over the last three years how's that person performed over the last three years how have they gone about their work behaviors come into play how are they aligned to our values what's their potential and that's potential within your own business so it doesn't mean that person doesn't necessarily have potential at all It just means, okay, we know what roles we need for our future success. Does that person have the potential to rise into those roles? And those are the conversations that are really happening. They happen in most businesses at least annually. And it is done, you know, here, board writers, we do it annually. We do it across the globe. And then we bring that all together and we kind of calibrate it and go, okay, let's look at it collectively again with a list of names on a sheet sure but we don't talk in detail about people it really is again about the skill set that you need so that's why understanding what you bring is important and putting that into your elevator pitch because you want people to know that's their strengths that's their potential yeah great and often those conversations are being had with not direct line leaders either So that is very much reliant on your manager talking about your performance and potential with them, which is where actually I should have said it earlier that skip level meetings are a great tool to, you know, showcase your performance with others as well. So 
skip level meetings, not very common. They're certainly coming more into the vernacular, but I would encourage you to reach out to your skip level manager and do that because it's often those people who are making decisions, not necessarily your current manager. So skip so it, level manager being like your manager's manager. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's really, it is really important that you have regular conversations with your manager about where you see yourself and what strengths and skills that you bring to the business. You have to do that regularly so they remember it regularly. So that when it time comes to have these conversations around roles and potential and performance, you are front of mind because they know very clearly where it is you want to go and what you want to do. If they don't know that, you often get just, you know, Mm. quickly brushed over. Not intentional. None of this is personal. I don't want anyone to think any of this is personal in any way. As I said, it is really around skills and capability that an organisation needs for future. That's what those conversations are about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, oh, there's so, oh gosh, we could talk for hours about this. There are so many things I want to talk about. But I think you've just hit, you've hit the point home even more so now around what we were saying earlier in terms of making sure that you're seizing opportunities to talk about what you're doing. Because if you've only got a two minute window in a conversation like that, where there might be a hundred plus employees that that need to be touched on in some way, shape or Mm. form, and you're getting two minutes of that time, then you want to be damn sure that your manager and your manager's manager are aware of what you've been doing and what your interests are, what your what your strengths, your skill sets, your kind of future ambitions are, so that when we are doing the kind of Tetris game of trying to work out, well, what are the needs of the organisation? What are the skill gaps we've got? Who are the people that can help us get there? Your name is on that person's lips. Exactly. And it, it always makes me think of, and I, I talk about this all the time, about the importance of a sponsor inside an organization as well and I did do a podcast on this if you are not sure what a sponsor is go back and listen to it and there's also an incredible TED talk by Carla Harris that I also often talk about around who is that person in the meeting behind closed doors who's who's saying your name and if you've only got a two-minute window for that to happen then you really want to be sure that they know explicitly who you are, what you've done and where you want to go. And yeah. I think you've just, you've just nailed that and, and really emphasised that even more so by showing, showing the listeners a little peek into like what these conversations are. There's not 20 minutes per person to sit there no. and talk about it. It's pretty quick, right? It's, it's really quick. And it comes back down to, again, relationships. What relationships are you building within your business, outside of your team? Because you do, like, having a sponsor is great, but you also then need to make sure what have been your interactions with another part of the business? Mm. Has that left a positive impression? Because when that comes together and all the leaders come and they discuss where that lands, if someone has had a really negative experience based on your interactions because you've only thought about you, that's going to impact and will probably change where you sit in that succession planning process. So, uh, you know, I hate, I hate that relationships are so important because, it, you know, to your point from your podcast, it feels very manipulative, but they actually are so important. They are 
critical to someone's success in an organization. It can be a make or break. So make sure that you are investing time with the stakeholders you need to. But also to that, know that anyone you interact with is a stakeholder at some point in time. So don't be an asshole to them and then be lovely to five other people because that will be found out too. Absolutely. Oh, you and you've just touched on a great point. I think I can think of examples where I've been in kind of talent council meetings or you know succession planning meetings, whatever we whatever the organisation calls them, where you know someone's two minutes. We're into somebody's two minutes, and we're taught, and the the manager's manager might be talking about, oh, you know, this person's excelled in X, Y, and Z, and then you may have one or two other stakeholders in that meeting that actually say, well, I've actually had the following feedback from my team's interactions with them. Here's a couple of examples of that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the tone changes and all of a sudden, okay, maybe we've got a couple of areas performance-wise that we might need to focus on with this person to, and, and let's do it. Let's let's give them the feedback, give them the opportunity to work on those. And then let's see where we can take them. But yeah. that's, I think you're, you're spot on. Like it, it's so important that we think that you think about what, what is the impact that I'm having on all of the people that I work with? And relationships is, is a huge part of that. But I also think it's the behaviors mm-hmm. in the way that we're interacting with people, right? Like, and, and so the way, you know, we can't, we can't hide bad behavior. It's going to pop out at some point. It's going to come up and it's going to impact somebody negatively at, at some point. And so, well, it's, relationships but it's kind of treatment of people and the way you engage and interact and communicate with your stakeholders ultimately that as you've touched on can have the power to derail a a positive piece of feedback from your direct manager can be overshadowed by some negative feedback from a couple of other stakeholders I've seen it happen time and time again I I don't think I've been in a, a succession planning meeting and that hasn't happened agree so you know, I, I told you that my view of performance is around your behaviours, how you go about your work. It is a 50-50, if not even more towards behaviours, in my opinion. You know, I would much rather invest time in someone who displays the right behaviours and, and value alignment than someone who is technically capable. Like I just, it, it, that's to me you know, I weigh that more, you know, other people don't, it is very personal, but how you go about your job and how you go about not even just doing your job, but walking through the walkway, how are you greeting people? How are you showing up to work every single day with and interacting with others will be seen. Absolutely. Spot on. And there's only, as we touched on at the start of the conversation, there's probably only so far that you can get being a fantastic kind of technically skilled individual. There's only so far you will get because in order to achieve outcomes in business, you need people. You need people. You need to interact with people, communicate with people, influence people, develop others, bring people along for the ride. And that's relevant whether you're managing a team of direct reports or not. Like I've had people in the past say to me, oh, well, I don't want to manage a team. So those things don't matter. And I'm like, they absolutely matter. And in some ways you could argue that they, that they matter more because trying to manage or lead people who do not report into you requires a significant ability to be able to influence and persuade and communicate and inspire. 
because there are no hierarchy in place there. So yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you in terms of the weightings that, that we give the what and the how. In terms of, we've touched on, you know, a couple of awesome, you know, practical tips that people can, can take and do to kind of stand out uh, and showcase their performance a little bit more. What, what are, and when we've spoken around the, you know, finding time and space to have those one-on-ones with your manager, even if you're in an organisation that may only have one formal review every year. But what are some of the other ways that you think that people can stand out for their performance a little bit more and be that name that's spoken about in in a positive light behind closed doors? Yeah. Ultimately, I think it's up to you as an individual to really drive the direction of your career and define and work that plan. Like it's actually up to you. So taking the bull by the horns, making that meeting with your leader, ask for a career conversation, let them know what you want to do, where you want to go. Like make that time with them, take it. Asking for feedback I think is really important. And don't just ask for feedback from your manager. Ask it from a range of people that you deal with. And if they just give you surface level feedback, keep asking keep asking and you need to take on the feedback they give and demonstrate that you are going to that you value what they've had to say you may not agree with it but you value what they have to say share with them what they've you know what other feedback you've had and what you plan to do to change that that's a great way as well get yourself a mentor like you need someone either internal to your business or external to your business that you can go in and and share and learn from them and as Claire mentioned, like get a sponsor. It's such a great tool to have, having that someone in the organisation mm-hmm. who is going to help promote you in that way that's not your leader because, you, you know, that external person, it, it's much more powerful. Um, but ultimately, it really is about sharing your achievements and finding that way to do that uh, in that fits you. You want to make sure that it's your name that's being spoken about when things come up. And the only way to do that is not to sit down and be quiet and silent and do your work. Like you have to do that, um, but find a way to promote yourself authentically to you. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't, as we've said, it doesn't mean you're the loudest person in the room. It doesn't mean you're arrogant. It doesn't mean you're braggy. It just means you're finding ways to be of, to, to showcase to the organization, the value that you're adding. Because if you, if you don't tell people, they don't know. No, they don't know. And the other thing I just want to say here is, uh, and I've worked in government organisations and private enterprise, and I know that this isn't necessarily the case in all businesses, but definitely in private enterprise. You know, we go, why wasn't I promoted to that role? Just because you don't see a role on paper or on an organisational chart doesn't mean that role doesn't exist. I am a prime example of that personally, where... Over my time with board riders, I've come in and, for example, we didn't have a a local HR manager here. But because I demonstrated my value, I shared in my achievements, I contributed positively to my team and I said, hey, I'm keen to do more. Can I take on this extra bit of work or this scope? Could I look after New Zealand? I asked. I said, is that an opportunity? Can I have a direct report? I, you know, I'd really like to grow in that space. Can I be involved in this project? I asked. And guess what? They were delivered. So, and roles were created. 
that happens so often. A role is created because someone has demonstrated or asked or shown that they want to keep growing and they have taken control and said, this is what I'd like to do. Can we do that? It might be a no straight away. Like it might be a no for now, but let's look at doing that. Yes. And as I said, you know, big disclaimer, I know that that's not always the same in government organisations. It's, it's a lot harder to go, hey, can I just change my role? But generally, if you're showing that desire to grow and develop and take on more, it will happen for you. Correct. And it's showcasing, like you said, your passion, your enthusiasm and your desire to learn and grow. So even though it might be a no right now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a no, never. Yes. If, but if people don't know, they can't do anything with that. So I hope that if, if, if the listeners take nothing else away from this podcast, but I'm pretty sure they're going to take a shit ton away, but if they take nothing else away, step back from this for after listening and think about what are the ways that you can showcase your passion, your interests, the growth areas, the things that you're thinking about, reflecting on the ideas that you have a little bit more with your manager, your team and your stakeholders. Because as Emma has said, it's that kind of sustainable, consistent quality performance that those are the things that set people apart. Now, I have got one more question for you that I ask kind of all of my guests. It's a two-parter. Always love sharing helpful tidbits and books and resources that people can learn from. So the first question or the first part is around, do you have a, a book that you've read that you can kind of confidently say like that has been a light bulb or it's, you know, played a huge part in your life? And then secondly, is there a piece of advice or a quote that you live by that you kind of continue to refer to and it really helps you just keep showing up? Yeah, the book, I, I've read a number of books over the years that I do keep coming back to, but I think one really specific to me and just immediately comes to mind and I can see it out of the corner of my eye. No one who knows me is going to be surprised by this, but it's Dare to Leap by Brene Brown. Oh, yes. Good old Brene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the minute I got my husband to listen to it via audiobook, I knew I had drilled it down into him really well. So he also likes that, likes that book now. But Dare to Leave by Brene Brown, like it is for me, it was that moment of going, there is a place for me in this world in leadership because oh, okay. she advocates for that more humane leadership, being kind, being clear with people. You know, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I will always go back to that book time and time again. And a quote, I, I'm not really a quote person, but there are some music lyrics that I do play over in my head. I have since this song came out, like, way a long time ago and it's a Pete Murray song opportunity and it's don't be scared of what you cannot see your only fear is possibility oh I'm literally singing it in my head as you're saying mm -hmm. it I do love Pete Murray yeah me too <laughs> um I was gonna marry him one day but he got married <laughs> and I got married but yeah that that there's just something about that there's multiple uh, little lines in that song that really get to me but yeah for me that is a good one for me to go get out of your own way what are you worried about what are you overthinking about there's so much opportunity in what's coming and possibilities so I really love that one 
Fantastic. It's a great get. And lastly, because I'm sure people will want to follow you or connect with you after listening to all of the, the gems that you've just shared, and I probably want to work at Board Writers now as well. So we'll drop the link to the careers page in the show notes. <laughs> but what? how can people get in touch with you, Emma? What's the best way? Best way is via LinkedIn. I'm generally pretty active on LinkedIn, although there's been a quiet spell as I've transitioned to a new role and have not had a lot of bandwidth. But yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Emma Miller, you should be able to find me pretty easy. Amazing. And I will put a link in the show notes to that as well. Wow, we could totally talk about performance all day. It is a huge topic. And I think we've only just touched the sides in this podcast. But I am so grateful to you for giving up time. I know how hectic you are juggling two massive roles at the moment and you've made space in your day to share with us some of your pearls of wisdom. So thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. I have loved every minute of it. See, I told you Emma was a unicorn. Now, I hope you loved that podcast just now. And as I said, we have just touched the sides when it comes to talking about performance and how you can set yourself up for success as a high potential or a high performer inside your organization. If you were loving what you were hearing and you're ready for more, here's what to do next. The first option available to you is to jump on my website, find the masterclass that is called your career game plan for sustained success purchase it for just 27 dollars. download it and grab the workbook that goes with it in this masterclass we talk about the five key career pillars that you need to know about for sustained career success and for just 27 bucks can you afford not to purchase this masterclass so that is option one Option two, if you know you really want to take your learnings further and you know you need some support to do so, then jump on the wait list for our Transform Your Career Group Accelerator. Now, this program is an online group program for six weeks where we have you walking away with all the tools and the strategies and the game plan in place to take your career to the next level. So in just six weeks, go from feeling blur about where you're at to feeling motivated, inspired, and clear on exactly what you need to do and where to get you where you want to go. Lastly, if you know you want something that's a little bit more tailored, a little bit more bespoke, and you want to take action right now, then book a call in my calendar, a free call, and let's jump on the phone together and see if one of my private one-on-one coaching programs is the right fit for you. So that's it from me. I hope you loved what you've heard today and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, that's it for another episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It has been amazing to have you here and I am so grateful for you taking the time to pop me in your ears as you go about your day or night. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eating Your Cake 2 And if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet, reach out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, then I would love if you would leave me a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with me here too. Until next episode, you've got this. You can do it. You are doing it. And remember to sell yourself with confidence.